0: Professional audio slate in three, two, one. Damn. The Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly presents That Was Close. Is duct tape used more often for good or for evil? Today's tale, Bryce, of uh, coming this close takes us back. You know what? I want to... uh, I want to incorporate this as a the game show portion of the podcast where I play you the top songs from that particular year. And you okay. have to guess the year. All right. I think, I don't think you're going to have any trouble with this one. Okay. And if you get it right, uh, you get a 75-foot yacht.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah. Hopefully there's no punishment for being wrong.
0: Well, we'll get to that if you get it wrong. So what I'm going to do is I put together a, a montage of the big songs from this particular year when this event went down. Roll it! How bizarre! How bizarre! Oh, all right. Fast forward to the good part. Every time I look around, Every time I look around. All this song. Bakes all whack on Scooby Snacks. That's a good song. I like this song. Oh, this one? What I got? I said remember that. And then there's this tender, tender love song, also from the same year. The beautiful people. The beautiful
1: people. Marilyn Manson. The beautiful people.
0: The beautiful people. I don't turn this one off when it comes on.
1: I've read a thing. I read a thing about Marilyn Manson. Someone pointed out, and correctly, that, you know, in the 90s, we didn't have social media. We didn't have any of that stuff. But somehow, everyone, every kid in every school had heard the same rumor about Marilyn Manson removing ribs. Ooh. Do you remember that? Yeah, one? I do. Like, how did that spread so much without any social media of any kind?
0: How did Ru- there's. Well, there's some rumors about, um, well, there's one about Rod Stewart that is uh, really unsettling. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that one, and there's that one about Richard Gere. Richard
1: Gere and a hamster, right? Yeah,
0: or gerbils or something like that. How did those spread before the invention of social media?
1: Yeah, we were just good at gossip back then. Maybe. Uh, But for the year of this...
0: Yeah, yeah. For a seventy-five foot yacht, Bryce Kelly. What year did this story take place in? Based on the top hits of that year,
1: based on those songs, I know it's in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with 1996. Yes. <laughs> wow. Oh, 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 Where are you gonna keep a seventy-five foot yacht? I can probably fit that in my backyard.
0: <sighs> yeah. Now this story. This one goes back to February 6th, 1996. Think about your worst day at work ever.
1: Okay, now, my birthday is February 10th, so this happened four days before my birthday. Oh. I feel like the story's happening to me. I don't even know what it is. It's
0: almost like this story robbed you of some of your birthday spotlight. It's Maybe it
1: did. Yeah. Maybe I have a grudge now.
0: We've talked about this on the show before, too, the radio show about, your worst day at work and you know i remember people somebody told a story how this is my favorite one they were working at the airport christmas eve and i think they were the ones driving the little tractor thing backing like a 737 into a hangar right and they clipped the hangar and they did like a couple million dollars damage to a passenger jet
1: yeah, well, it turns out when you dent a plane, you can't buff that out.
0: Another one that comes to mind, too, and because I can't imagine the outrage. I think an arborist told a story how they showed up to cut a tree down in somebody's yard, but they cut the wrong tree down in somebody else's yard Ooh! and then uh, had to explain that. That's a pretty bad day at work. Oh, boy. But uh, all of those stories pale in comparison. They were uh, not nearly as rough is Tom McNeil's worst day at work. Tom was a 30-year-old guy at the time just trying to eke out a living at a company called Seal Masters of Sand Island, Hawaii. They're a concrete repair and sealing company. They have nothing to do with the adorable sea creatures. Oh, I was
1: going to say, is this like some kind of, something you'd see in West Edmonton
0: Mall? No, no, they do concrete repair, so. Oh, okay, that's... That's still fun, I guess. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, Sand Island is a small island within the city of Honolulu. It used to be known as Quarantine Island and was used to quarantine ships and passengers that were believed to be contagious back in the 19th century. Sand
1: Island? Yeah. That's just lazy. That's a name they came up with at 445 on a Friday before a long weekend.
0: What do we name this island? It's better than Quarantine Island, though, which, though, if I could get a Quarantine Island t shirt, I would wear one.
1: Quarantine Island is not a place you want to go on summer vacation. No,
0: but I looked at the map and it's like a part, like Sand Island, Quarantine Island. It's a part of Honolulu. It looks like it's kind of um, an industrial area, but the minute you add island, to the name of something, it just, you immediately go, ooh, sounds majestic.
1: Sounds like you drink uh, your drinks out of coconuts yeah. there.
0: So anyway, Majestic Sand Island in Honolulu is where Tom McNeil was working February 6th, 1996. Now, I spoke to Tom on our radio show back in 2011. He called in one day because we were talking about brushes with death, and he told an absolute doozy of a tale. Tom had just arrived at work. It's like 8 a.m. He's walking through the office, but he can't find anyone. So he starts knocking on closed doors. Eventually, one of those doors opens. The person on the other side had just been fired from the company recently.
2: Ooh, awkward. I showed up at this place where I was working. Like, my box office is usually open door, right? And uh, so I'm, like, going down the hall to get my day's activities kind of thing. And uh, the door was shut. So I'm knocking on the door and uh, then it opens and there was this ex-employee uh, uh, that had got a shotgun like grating my face. And he was fired uh, the previous summer or fall. And now
0: he's back in the office and he's pissed off and looking to settle a score.
2: Yeah. So then he, when I walked in the office and then I saw my bosses were laying on the floor and then he made me lay on the floor and then he had a couple other guys that were in the closet that I didn't know yet. So then... He just started demanding money, $10,000 from her, the owner of the company.
0: When you hear that he was demanding $10,000, I
2: immediately thought, that's
0: it? Yeah, it's almost cute. But this was 1996. Keep that in mind. But still, it has kind of an Austin Powers feel to it, a Dr. Evil. One million dollars. I did the conversion, though. I, I went on a website and I put in in 1996 would be $18,245 in today's dollars, which still, you know, not a ton of money to be taking a ton of hostages over.
1: No, certainly not. And I mean, walking into work and finding all your bosses laying on the floor, rarely is that going to be a sign that it's going to be a good day. Yeah,
0: yeah. So anyway, this former employee, he's back, he's disgruntled, he's looking for a payday. The owner of the company, Uh, His name was Harry Lee. He agreed to pay the ransom almost immediately just to get this guy to move on. But according to a 2017 Edmonton Journal piece by Catherine Grakowski, Lee's wife said, no, we really need to get the police involved. So a call was made. And when the hostage taker, 28-year-old John Miranda, saw that SWAT was arriving this set him off and he started shooting inside the office and outside. He took aim at the boss Ooh. the boss that had let him go. A guy by the name of Guy George he pulled the trigger and blew half of Guy's leg off oh. right there in the office in front of his staff
1: Oh my god Jeez, I don't remember that part of the story I vaguely remember
0: Yeah, When Tom, when he told us this story he did not mention that part That was after I read that Edmonton Journal piece. I'm like, oh, my God, God, he left that part out.
1: God, you're in the company lunchroom or whatever, and you see someone's leg get shot off.
0: Oh. So Tom actually helped to perform first aid on his boss by tying a makeshift tourniquet? 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 I I never know how you pronounce that. Um, And this is where it gets even more bonkers. Miranda, the hostage taker, he got pissed off at Tom for helping with first aid, and things went up a notch from there. Maybe you're wondering, how does a hostage taking go from terrifying to what is, whatever is the next level up from terrifying?
2: Well, Tom? So then he uh, was shooting at the cops out the window, and they were just all over the place, obviously. And the team was there, and so he just had one of the other hots to just duct tape the shotgun to my head.
0: No, that's got to be a rough conversation at the water cooler the next morning. Ooh, that's awkward. You're like, so Kevin, uh, remember that one time you helped tape a loaded shotgun to my head?
1: Yeah, thanks for the help, bud.
0: So if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have the last donut.
1: What an endorsement for duct tape.
0: Yeah. Oh, no kidding, hey? You think about all the bad things that duct tape has been used for? Like, is duct tape used more often for good or for evil?
1: It seems like it is used a lot in crime. Yeah. God, that's a versatile tape.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, in all this commotion in the office with the duct taping of the shotgun to Tom's head and the other end to the hostage taker's hand, which is a dead man switch, Bryce. Oh, what? Dead man switch? Yeah, that's what that's called.
1: Oh, so if police were to uh, uh-huh, take him out, yeah, that he would still cause trouble.
0: Exactly, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you got all the this commotion going on in the office, the taping, the foot dragging on paying the ransom. Uh, guy George, the guy that got shot in the leg, he dove out the window. Whoa. And he fell like 15 feet to the ground where they, you know, they rescued him and they took him away to the hospital to get his injuries looked after. You can actually find pictures of him falling slash diving out of the office window. What? Yeah. No so way. So look that up. I will. Now, at this point, though, Miranda, who, he's now in like a full on rage mode. He parades all the remaining hostages out onto the fire escape. But when he gets out there, he sees all the cops and then he tries to march them back inside again. But the SWAT team was already in the building and they'd locked the door behind him so he couldn't go back inside and hide. They wanted him and the hostages out in the open so they could keep an eye on them.
1: Oh, I guess that makes sense.
0: Remember, at this point, too, he had, I don't know, four or five hostages, but only one of them was taped to the gun. So the rest were like, peace out, man, smell you later. And they (laughs) all took off. See you tomorrow, Tom. And I don't blame them. So, I would have run, too. Like, if I wasn't taped to the gun...
1: Oh, I'd be knees to... I would have been gone. Yeah. I'm still kind of... That guy who had one leg shot off, and he still dove through a window?
0: Again, that was from an article I read way after the fact.
1: Man, that's impressive.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know whether they managed to save his leg. I don't know any of that.
1: I like to think that in this situation, if... A gun was taped to my head right now and we were being paraded around that the people in this building right here would be like, no, we're not leaving Bryce alone.
0: (laughs) Everyone
1: would be gone so fast. But in my head, they would stick it out.
0: If it was me, like if you were taped to the gun and I was free, you would just hear that cartoon sound effect.
1: Be a plume of dust in your shape.
0: So anyway, all the other hostages take off. Wow this left only John Miranda, the hostage taker, and Tom McNeil. And that's how they would spend the rest of the day. Just the two of them standing in the scorching hot Hawaiian sun on a fire escape with his former co-worker standing behind him with a shotgun to his head. You can actually look at those pictures too. And remember, this is 1996, so there's not a ton of video. There is some video though. But the still photo's They're really creepy because you see pictures of John Miranda parading Tom McNeil down the stairs into the street. And as a side note, John Miranda is an absolute monster of a man. He is a giant. He towers over Tom. And he kind of looks like a villain from like a Tarantino movie. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And in a few of these pictures, he almost looks like he's smiling at the camera.
1: Oh creepy.
0: Yeah, it makes the thing, the whole thing, like, extra creepy.
1: I didn't even, it didn't even register until you just said his former co-worker. Yes. Like, this isn't a stranger who has the gun to his head. This is someone he worked with.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, that's even weirder.
0: And also, this started first thing in the morning. Tom probably didn't even have his first coffee in him yet, and now he's being marched into the
2: street? Yeah, for, like, six hours out, out in that street. It was on... I've been on CNN and Dateline and Maury Povich show and...
0: You know, back in the day when Maury Povich did the one show that wasn't... You "You are are not not the
1: father. Wow, getting on Maury Povich.
0: Yeah. That show's not on anymore, is it? Anyway. So, this situation with the gun taped to his head and the other end of the gun taped to the hostage taker's trigger finger. It goes on for like more than six hours. The two of them are just standing there in the street, waiting for the ransom money to be delivered, but it's not there yet, and the heat is starting to take its toll on Miranda. So he decides it's go time. He started a countdown.
2: Yeah, he started counting down from 60, and he's gonna blow my head off because they didn't, the police didn't have the money that he wanted yet. I just said, well, I'm surrounded by all these SWAT guys, and they're, they're not obviously, they're not shooting him yet. So I'm thinking, oh, is he gonna go three, two, one and blow my head off? Or is he gonna go, you know, blow my head off at 10? I didn't know. So I thought I would have to do something before 10. So at 13, I was pushing backwards, like out in the middle of the street and they were surrounded like a day by like 50 SWAT and stuff. And uh, So I felt the barrel on the back of my neck and I was starting to slowly tur- like go to my left and the barrel kept going to my, over to my right shoulder. And then I just, at thirteen, I just kind of swung around, and the barrel of the gun, like kind of, he fired a first shot, and it went right through my t-shirt, like just missed my head. Like I don't even know why I wasn't really shot. So then I swung around, and we we're both, as I say, duct taped to the gun. But I had enough room where I could like grab to hold of the shotgun, and we started wrestling with the gun, and then he fired another shot. And the gun is still taped to your head, but you didn't get hit at all. No. I got down on one knee, and and he was a huge dude, and uh, they just opened up on him like he was shot like 13 times. Wow! Oh my
1: good lo- Okay, we just went into the stratosphere with this one. Oh yeah. So he finds during this countdown, he's like, a, time to make my move." Yeah. And so he jukes left, the gun barely slides to the right,
0: the shot goes through his
1: t-shirt. Guy fires a shot, so the gun and the gun's not loose yet. It's just kind of not. Resting against his neck?
0: Yeah, but it's behind him.
1: Oh, my God. First of all, damn. I know. Second of all, how did that not blow out his eardrums?
0: Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah.
1: That was probably pretty loud. And then the fact the guy is just iced right on top of you. Did they say he's shot 13 times? 13. And the one thing that I did,
0: like, this kind of makes sense a little bit. The one thing I read in that Edmonton Journal piece was... Because the standoff went on for more than six hours in the scorching heat, the tape had become a little bit stretchy and loose, so it allowed for some give, some play, so Tom was kind of able to dodge the blast, for lack of a, a better way of describing it. Damn, that moist Honolulu heat. Yeah. save the day. So at this point, John Miranda is shot 13 times. He's lying in the street, and what happened next is kind of crazy. This is Tom telling me about the next few crazy seconds.
2: Yeah, well, that's another thing. They, they told me to run away from him after he was shot. So I run away, and then I'm looking at him dying in the middle of the street, and I don't see the shotgun. And I'm thinking, where's the shotgun? And I look inside me, and it still duct tape to my hand As I ran away, the shotgun was, like, flapping around, around my neck, and I didn't even know this jesus that's like the hostage
1: equivalent of having toilet paper stuck to your shoe
0: yes and he it's so weird because tom tells this story so casually but meanwhile my hands are sweating when he talks about it all i can think about is like what if it i know went off well it's like that whole thing in movies where like throw down the gun it's like oh no don't throw the gun it'll go off
1: Oh, my God. So it's duct taped to him, and he's running away, and it's chasing him. That happened to a cat of mine once with a grocery bag. Yeah. And it, that scarred the cat for life. It was afraid of plastic bags. What,
0: what do you mean? Like, it had a...
1: Plastic bag got, like, wrapped around its tail. Oh. And then the cat's like... And it was running around, but the bag's chasing it.
0: Oh. oh.
1: And it's, yeah, that bent the cat's frame. So yeah. imagine that being a shotgun and not a tail, but your head.
0: Yeah. Good Lord. Look, I don't want to armchair quarterback this thing, but I like to think I would notice <laughs> that there was something still taped and bouncing around on my back. But again, I've never had a gun taped to my head and I've never been a hostage.
1: Probably a bit of adrenaline going on. And, you know, he's probably disoriented yeah. from the gun blast going off beside his head and the, his former coworker
2: being shot. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I I asked Tom, you know, what the next few minutes were like after it was all over.
2: Like, it's so weird. I was so calm. I wasn't even freaking out. It was once I was shot. I was like, oh, he's just laying dead, you know, in the middle of the street. Yeah. Whoa.
0: But in the end, like Tom says, 28-year-old John Miranda did not survive. He died in the hospital from his wounds. Here's another dark, tragic twist to this story that Tom really didn't tell me about when him and I talked on the radio show. Apparently, before he had stormed into his ex-employer's office that day looking for money and to settle a score, he had already killed his girlfriend and buried her in a box in a shallow grave. Oh, my God. So this guy had a few things going on that day. Uh, He was also high on coke and meth at the time of the hostage taking. That makes sense. Tom and his girlfriend at the time, they decided to carpe diem and they got married less than a week after the hostage taking. Aww. And they stayed in Hawaii for a couple more decades, actually, until they moved back to the Edmonton area in about 2008.
1: What a wild story.
0: Yeah. K-H-O-N-2 in Hawaii did an interview with Tom a few years ago on the 20th anniversary of this hostage taking. And they asked him if it had changed his view on life. He said, quote, it did. I've always been a very easygoing, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. So I still am that person. But I do appreciate everything that I have, my friends, my family, things like that, and just enjoying life because it's so fleeting.
1: Wow. It's called perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I asked Tom too. I said, "How has the whole ordeal affected you?" And you know, does it give you recurring nightmares?
2: I did at first, and then uh, I, it's something that you know, just I think about. But it, it doesn't really affect me. Really, you know, it, it's something that just was pretty mind-blower.
0: I feel like that's something that you don't ever stop thinking about.
1: Interesting uh, use of the phrase "mind-blower."
0: Oh. I wasn't going to point that out But you did You know what's weird is too I kind of did the math Tom and I are exactly the same age
1: I gotta see photos of this guy Yeah I kind of like I remember this You know
0: in the one picture Where he's on the The fire escape With the gut Oh my god In the white t-shirt He looks He looks a little bit like he'd uh, Like Malcolm Young from ACDC Not Angus Young But Malcolm the, The brother who played rhythm guitar Okay When I saw that picture, that's exactly what that reminded me of. But look at the size of that guy.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a size mismatch going on Doesn't
0: he look like something out of a Tarantino movie?
1: And he is smiling, holding that shotgun. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's taped to his hand and taped to, you can see it on Tom's head. Tom's head. It's like attached to his hair. Oh, is he a duct tape in his hair?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. I actually asked him what that felt like having in. Then I thought, nah, I shouldn't put that in this podcast. It seemed a little trivial. (laughs) (laughs) He said, yeah, it was kind of rough. Getting the duct tape out of his hair. After six hours. I know. He just, he seems like such a nice, easygoing, down-to-earth guy. And, you know, he tells that story so calmly and casually. Kind of like, you know, how you or I might tell the story about getting our bike stolen. That's sort of the way he tells this story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah, he really, and the details of that are horrific. Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. And that right there, everybody, is the amazing and terrifying survival story of Tom McNeil. My sources for this one, Bryce Kelly, Hmm? Wikipedia, Uh Uh, my 2011 conversation with Tom McNeil, K-H-O-N-2, Hawaii. They did a story on him. And, of course, that 2017 Edmonton Journal article by Catherine Grakowski. And this was 96 and there's a lot of pictures. Yeah. Imagine if this was current.
1: Oh yeah, it would be everyone would have tons of video, high def video. Yeah. Everyone zoomed in.
0: It's so weird when you think about footage, cell phone footage, pictures, whatever. Even when did the when did Sully land that plane on the Hudson River? That's oh. not that long ago. No. Like maybe 10 or 15 years ago somewhere in that neighborhood. And there's not a ton of video footage. But now if that thing was gliding in onto the Hudson, you'd have 200 angles. You'd have video footage from everywhere.
1: Oh yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it was just out in the open like that. Yeah. Oh my god. What if what a story. I like I don't know what the worst part of that story is. I have no clue.